Good morning. Awesome morning to be here. Beautiful day and uh, man, I can definitely uh, feel the spirit of the Lord here this morning. I, I again, I look in your eyes and I just uh, am so thankful for each of you. I'm glad you're here. Some people are still listening online. I'm glad that they're they're here too. Uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, two of my favorite subjects, Jesus and children. Jesus and children is what I'm going to talk about today. If you uh, were here Friday night, again, we had an amazing time. Again, if you look at, uh, you can look at it many different ways and say, well, we only had, you know, but we had the exact number the Lord wanted us to have. What I've noticed when we do ministry we can plan, we can do all this, but what it becomes is what the Lord wants it to become. When we give it to Him, He blesses it with whatever number. Even if we didn't get to the devotion, the Lord led that. We had kids. I didn't get to get all of them's names, but I, I spoke to all of them, I think. We had actually, we had all these inflatable games. We had cornhole, which I was pretty good at. Um, not that I'm competitive. What? Yeah. Um, what else do we have? We had face painting. We had color. We had all kinds of things. But one of the things I really enjoyed because it reminded me of my childhood, I saw two kids play a baseball game without a ball or a bat. In the rain. That game didn't get rained out. And I'm thinking back to my childhood. Man, you don't know how many baseball games I played by myself. Well, it depends. If I didn't hit it, then I was pitching, okay? I was a really good pitcher. <laughs> but, uh, but no, just that imagination. Sometimes we, kids don't get to use that imagination like they did when we were growing up because if we had a baseball game, we had to. Now you play a video game, it looks just like a baseball game. And I love, I love technology, but sometimes we lose that imagination, that part of our thinking. And it was good to see kids actually playing like that. That was, that was awesome. Um, but again, I could uh, see the joy on their faces. Even though, again, the night got cut short. Um, again, we thought uh, we'd planned for a movie, and I was excited about the movie. I know Larry was excited about the movie, and then... Uh, Again, the Lord blessed us with some much-needed rain. Yes, he did. But this morning, I want to talk about the time that some children were brought to Jesus. We'll read from Matthew 19, verses 13 through 15. The little children were being brought to him in order that he may lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not stop them, for it is such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And he laid his hands on them and went on his way. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, 
Again, thank you so much uh, for all you do in our lives, Lord. Thank you for the, the, the children you bring into our lives, Lord, and um, just uh, thank you for allowing us the opportunity to spend some time with them, Lord, and tell them about you. Lord, uh, thank you for this opportunity to proclaim your word, and Lord, I just pray that, uh, that your words flow through me today. If not, they flow in spite of me, Lord. Hide me behind the cross and let your word be proclaimed. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, the invitation, Jesus' invitation to the children. Jesus and the children. I've named the servant about 14 things this week, and I can't remember what I actually put in the bulletin or, or put on it because I've been working on this thing for a, a, a day or two. And um, in this passage... Jesus turns his full attention on some little children that were being brought to him. They were coming to him. Jesus was a busy man. You ever been busy? A lot of people want to see Jesus. A lot of people want to see Jesus at time. Jesus had been healing people. He'd been doing some miraculous things. He was busy. So when these folks started bringing the children to Jesus, the disciples said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait just a second. He's awful busy. But Jesus, instead of rebuking those who were bringing the children, he rebuked his disciples and said, Whoa, stop. This is what it's all about. These children right here, this is what my kingdom is all about. So they came, he laid his hands on them, he blessed them. Then he went on his way. He had other things to do, but he stopped. He blessed those children before he went on. You see, children are a joy. Always. Always a joy. Sometimes uh, they hide their, sometimes the joy can be hidden because of uh, certain things. We'll talk about that in a minute. But they're always a joy. They're a gift from God. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. You see, we're blessed by all children, all little ones. All of them. Whether they come to church here, they live in this community, or they live elsewhere, we're blessed by children. And this morning, I want to talk to you about that invitation that Jesus gives to each children. And when I say children, I'm including all of us in that because we're all God's children. But one thing is adults, we have some responsibilities. There's some good things about being an adult, but we have some responsibilities. One of those responsibilities is we're responsible to evangelize to children. It's our responsibility. We're responsible to go tell kids about Jesus. If they're here, we're responsible to tell kids about Jesus here. If they're not here, we've got to provide an avenue to be able to tell children about Jesus. And I know this community, we're not as blessed as, with as many kids as there once were. But there's still kids in this community. There's still kids beyond. They don't have to be in the sanctuary for us to be a blessing to them. We showed that Friday night. We showed that through Jesus Christ Friday night that sometimes 
We've got to go to where they are, especially if they're not coming here. We've got to provide a way. We need a children's program. Sounds weird, don't it? But we need a children's program. We need to be ready for kids. Whether they're here, we've got to go somewhere to present the gospel to them. We need to be ready to present the gospel. Who agrees with that? That's what we're here for. Um, again, there may not be as many children as there once were in this specific community, but there's still kids here. We saw some Friday night, but I see, there's kids in this community that I've seen out and evidence of kids where they live that, that we didn't see. You know, you know, we, and, but we need to do it again. I mean, we need to, to, to make another avenue. What I've learned as um, we progressed in society, church for certain people is not the same priority it was when we were growing up. We have other things. A lot of kids, there's kids everywhere, but a lot of them do other things on Sunday morning. I don't like it, but they do. There's all kinds of softball tournaments, basketball tournaments. If you, if you want to see where some kids are, go to an AAU basketball or, or a volleyball tournament. Travel volleyball is huge. So go on a Sunday morning, I guarantee you there are kids there. You see, we're still responsible by some avenue to take the word of Christ to them. Even if they're not sitting in our congregation, they're still our responsibility. They're still our responsibility to feed them the word. You see, from the earliest passages in the Bible, believers have been challenged to take the word of God to children. Deuteronomy 6, and then in the New Testament, Ephesians 6, 4, says parents should do everything in their power to ensure their children are exposed to the gospel. As Sunday school teachers, as, as Bible school leaders, we're supposed to bring the word of God to whatever children we have. If we have children at home, it's our responsibility as parents to give them the word of God. Yeah, we're going to take them to church. But it's our responsibility to model Christian behavior. If they're not seeing Christian behavior at home, it's hard to see it anywhere else. If you're not praying with your children or grandchildren or whoever you may come in contact with, if you're not modeling that Christian life, you're doing them a disservice. We've got to be open about our faith and what it means to be a Christian. You see, we're responsible for educating our kids. And when I say our kids, I don't mean our, our biological kids, our kids. We're responsible for educating them. Again, we're responsible to model that behavior. We're responsible to, uh, well, uh, Ephesians 6, 4 uses the word nurture, and it refers to the whole training and education. That's what we're responsible to to children. We're responsible to educating them. It's not the public educator's job to tell kids about Jesus. It's not the public educator's job to do what we should be doing at home or what we should be doing at church or what we should be doing in our community. It's our responsibility to give them that background. Once they come to the Lord, once they're here, it's our responsibility to disciple them and show them the way a Christian should live. We're also responsible to encourage children. 
We are responsible to encourage children. I like to encourage. It's one thing I like to do. I'm not blessed with, well, the Lord's blessed me in so many ways, but I really think one of my gifts is to encourage children. To look them in the eye and just tell them how wonderful they are. It does not, I don't like it. I don't like it when I try to encourage a child and they don't like me, though. It's happened before. Not many times. But it, every now and then it happens. I said, well, the first year I was teaching, I was young, I've been a youth pastor for a long time, and I had substitute taught. I'm like, man. But once they get in that classroom, especially middle school, man, they don't act like they do at church. <laughs> they don't act like they do at home. And I'll never forget this one kid was acting up, and, and he was just a... a Seemed like a good kid. So I had to pull him out in the hall, have a conversation with him. I said, look, I said, I don't know if you act this way all the time, but, you know, you can't do it here. I said, do you have a problem that, you know, that I might be able to help you with? He looked at me and said, yeah, I don't like you. <laughs> I said, man, thank you for being honest is what I told him. I said, I appreciate you telling me that. And I said, well, you know, I said, even if we're not here, I said, one of the biggest skills I ever learned was how to work with people I didn't really particularly like. If you can learn that this year, and I don't teach you anything else, you've learned a skill because we've got to be together 180 days. Let's go. You know, so uh, I loved him whether he liked me or not. But again, we're supposed to encourage kids. We're supposed to tell them, even when they're misbehaving, that they're made in the perfect image of God. And if we're correcting them, we say, that's not the way God wants you to conduct yourself. But they're a blessing. But you see, kids need redemption too. Kids need redemption. As a species, we're pretty selfish. And I think that selfishness is natural. I don't want to get into a big theological discussion right now, but if you don't believe that selfishness is natural, go spend some time with a two-year-old and try to take the toy that he's playing with. Or she's playing. They, they don't want to give it up. Even if they put it down, that's their toy. If they're playing with it, it's their toy. If they put it down, and if you grab it, it's still their you know, So that's who we are. So kids, just like we need redemption, children need a Savior too. We need to be telling them about the Savior. We need to be telling them about how, yeah, it, it's important to learn how to behave, but we're still going to fall short. And when we do, we've got somebody who's already forgiven us. We've got somebody that loved us so much they came and died for us. That's, what, that's the way we need to be encouraging kids. It don't mean letting them get by with anything they're doing. No, we can correct them, but we can correct them and tell them how much we love them and how much God loves them. We can correct them and say, hey, you're a human being. Sometimes you're going to mess up, but I still love you. God still loves you. He came and died. He sent his son for you. He died for you. That's what we need to be telling kids. We can, again, debate what age of accountability there is or when they start becoming responsible, but most children know when they do something wrong. So they need to be taught, and they need to be taught a, a different way, but they need to be taught that, hey, if you do mess up, I still love you. But the biggest illustration that Jesus gives us is in Matthew 18, when he really calls us out. 
And it tells us what we really need to be is more like children. The same problems that I just discussed about children being saved, we, we still have them too. Without a Savior, we don't know how to act. Without a Savior, we don't know how to love. Without a Savior, we can't do anything. Because we too are selfish human beings who need redemption. But when Jesus told us that we need to become more like children. He wasn't talking about dancing in the rain and all that good stuff you saw the other night. That's really not what he was talking about, even though I enjoy that. He's saying that we should be that trusting, that humble, and that dependent on a Savior's love. Think back. I know you've raised kids. If you haven't uh, raised your own kids, you've been a part of raising kids before. Think how trusting they are. When Abby was little, we got stairs, and I would have her jump to me. And I'd put my arms out. And have her jump. first couple times, she was a little bit scared. But I said, I promise I'll catch you. I promise I'll catch you. So she jumps from the second or third step. I catch her. I spin her around. She climbs back up. Do it again. So I catch her. I spin her around, she laughs, she climbs up two more steps and says, do it again. Her full trust was in me. She depended totally on me once she jumped. Once she left that step, she expected me to catch her. And I did. That's the same trust we've got to have in our Savior. We're called to do some things. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes what we need to do is scary. It gets us out of our comfort zone. You ever been out of your comfort zone? When you are, when you're called to do something, and you're not sure, the only thing you can do is trust in the Lord. And after you leap that first time and you know that he's going to catch you, guess what? The second time it's easier. When you know Beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you do something he asks you to do, it may not be exactly the way you planned it, but he's going to be there to catch you. We need to put our trust in him. Just like a child. Just like a child. Just like that trustingness, that faith, that total dependence we have or, or children have on their parents is what we need to have on our Lord. Sometimes things look scary. You may be thinking, hey, I'm being called to do this. This is really out of my comfort zone. You're looking at an example of that right now. You're looking at a shy kid standing up here. It's hard to believe I was shy, I know. I'm not, I'm not lying from up here. I, I really was. But again, when you let go and you just trust in God, you know that God is not just going to catch you and not just going to spin, spin you around. He's going to hold you. He's going to hug you. He's going to give you more instruction. He's not just going to leave you there. And then you get to do it all over again. That's what putting trust in the Lord is all about.
And you see that love, that grace, that trust lasts for an eternity. Even though sometimes we stumble, he's still there to catch us. His hand's still there. His arms are still wide open, ready for us to jump to him. Wherever he's calling you, wherever he's calling you, that's where he is. He's already there. It may be something here. It may be something far away that you're scared. But you know that he's, provided, he's already provided the way. He's already there. He's ready for you. He's ready to catch you. And that love that comes from him, that dependability is for everybody. Whether you've accepted Christ as your Savior yet or not, no matter how old you are, if you're a child of eight or a child of 80, he's ready to catch you. He's ready to hold you. No matter what race, no matter what anything, he lived and died for you. And if you hadn't come to that accepting, or that accepting love, and accept that love that comes only from Jesus Christ, and you hadn't made that decision to be a Christian today, I pray that you, you do that today. Or again, if we've been on this journey for a while and we forget how to trust, he's calling us to do something. We're supposed to be doing something, but we're afraid. We don't want to jump off that step. Just remember, he's there. He's already there. Wherever he's calling you to, he's already there. He's got his arms like this. And when you leap, he's going to catch you. And he's going to hold you. And he's going to hold your hand to do whatever he, mission he sent you on. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for... Uh, for your wonderful love and grace, Lord. Even though we're selfish people, Lord, you still forgive us. You're still willing to stand ready with your arms wide open to catch us. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray for each person here, each person watching online, or each, each person, Lord, that uh, is under your care. Lord, I pray for them that if they don't know you, Lord, that they come to you, Lord, they put their faith and trust in you. Lord, again, just thank you so much for this wonderful church and, and this wonderful community. In Jesus' name, amen.